Africa Agenda is a podcast that features conversations with people working at the intersection of open data, open government, and sustainable development in Africa. Hi, I'm Ushiri, and this is Let's Talk Data, the Maputo Protocol Edition. Um, and today I'm with Irongo Houghton, um, Executive Director, Amnesty Kenya, Amnesty International Kenya. Um, and, and this is going to be an interesting conversation with someone who was there at the beginning of the of the protocol's journey. Um, so welcome. Thank you very much, Mushiri. Yeah. Uh, so just to get started, uh, you know, uh, we met when uh, in the context of the African Pan-Africanist movement uh, and the organization of the Pan-African Conference. Uh, so I know you as a you know, political scientist, you know, uh, a historian. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did how did you end up um, going from you know what what we think about political science in in the normal sense, um, working within the, the spaces of policy and political issues, to working on um, the Maputo Protocol and the gender agenda for Africa? So I guess my my background uh, it's probably a twenty year uh, passion for women's rights and freedom from sexual violence. Um, in 1998, I was studying history and uh, African political science. And in the campus that we were in, which is the University of Dar es Salaam, a woman, a Tanzanian woman, um, committed suicide because she had been stigmatized and routinely abused by a underground society in the university called Punch. And they had a habit of embarrassing people by drawing cartoons and illustrations on the side of a wall. And this went on for a couple of weeks. Nobody interrupted it. And this poor woman committed suicide, took an overdose and died. She had been accused by the underground society of uh, essentially um, having um, sexual relationships with sugar daddies. Oh wow! So there was a wake-up call for me. So in back then, in 1998, we organized a uh, activist uh, group on campus um, to basically do gender awareness training. Now, three years later, uh, I had returned back to Kenya, and um, there was a, uh, an incident which is fairly infamous now called the Saint Kizito killings, yes. where we saw up to 69, uh, um, uh, you know, girls. girls. Raped, yeah. and um, I think just over 10 or so uh, were uh, suffocated or um, stampeded to death. And um, it, it was a real wake up call for the country. So I joined something called Mothers in Action. Um, and I was with Kivoda Kibwana, the only two men uh, who were activists in that space. Mm-hmm. We called ourselves um, Honorary Mothers in Action. Um, I was also there at the um, Freedom Corner when um, the mothers of political prisoners mm-hmm. took action and I ran supplies and support for that community, uh, including uh, water on the day that they were tear gassed. Mm-hmm. And um, Angara Madai was then rushed to hospital having passed out from the, the violence that was seen. So this has been a long history. But in 2003, I joined Oxfam and uh, it was clear to me then that we needed to do a lot more in terms of gender justice and solidarity with African women. and. Uh, um, this is what then became the campaign uh, under the auspices of the Solidarity for African Women's Rights Coalition. Um, it initially was four organizations, Feminet, Equality Now, Oxfam, and Fahamu. And the veterans at that time were Mary Wandia, um, uh, um, Faiza Jama Mohammed, and Firoz Manji and myself. And we formed essentially the, the SWA coalition. And what was clear to us there was that the protocol on the rights of women in Africa, or the Maputo pro- protocol, 
was probably not going to get endorsed by African governments and implemented at home unless there was a domestic um, pressure that was built up from within those countries for its implementation. So that's what we set out to do. And uh, looking back at that period, what's really exciting is that the four member coalition grew into 29 members and then over 30 members and we were able to attract a great deal of resources uh, funding to be able to do work in the countries yeah. many of the women's rights uh, leaders that you now see across the continent at some point will have passed through that coalition that coalition it's it's interesting when you talk about the genesis of your in, of your involvement in in the issue and and the the the, the lady who unfortunately yeah, um, uh, died in in uh, it seems as if the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah. Because you had this um, underground, yeah. you know, movement that was that was uh, that was doing this. A punch. Yeah, punch. And now, and now it's online. Yeah. You know, the same underground trolls. You know now, you know, have smartphones and and are, and are using a different kind of wall now. It's a Facebook wall. Yeah, or, I mean, I, I always feel that the, um, you know, I think we have to look at it at probably three levels. One is structurally. So, are we seeing tr transformative change in terms of uh, gender inequalities in our countries? Access to land, access to credit, um, uh, freedom from violence. Mm -hmm. uh, these are the, I guess, what you call the structural issues. Um, and we have seen movement um, in some ways. Um, the second one is really around political change and uh, what I'm present to really is when the protocol came in in 2003, um, very few countries had protective legislation on gender offences, on sexual uh, offences, um, many of them uh, were not discussing issues of FGM or female genital mutilation or were they discussing issues around uh, detention of women in hospitals for not paying, not paying bills. their bills. Yeah. Now the protocol basically in that context was Revolutionary, right? It raised um, for the first time in any international instrument um, sexual and reproductive health rights. It had very clear clauses on uh, cultural practices that were harmful to women, including female genital mutilation. Um, many laws across the continent have changed as a result of that, and I would argue probably even enforcement of those laws. It's now possible to make claims on um, by the state in terms of the legal frameworks. The Kenyan constitution. Um, um, the clauses related to the Bill of Rights were informed by the protocol. Yeah. Um, so this is the second level. The third level is, is the real lives, are the lives of women and girls changing dramatically across, across the continent? And I think this is where it's, it's much more patchy. So in some parts of the world, it is true that you are seeing uh, upward mobility, you are seeing greater employment access, you are seeing greater visibility and voice and agency among uh, women citizens. Um, so I'm, you know, present to many things um, and stories that we could tell about, you know, how women came together and actually took action on certain things. Yeah. 2014 in Kenya, for example, um, the My Dress, uh, My Choice campaign okay. um, was really a, a citizen's spontaneous response to stripping of women in public uh, service um, Vehicle. vehicles. Yeah. And I think you know those are the examples that I have. But there are also other cases, right. uh, just to give you a sense. Um, last year we had 12 to 15 women um, locked in either basements or uh, on floors 
floors of hospital facilities because they couldn't pay um, the extra charges that came with childbirth and maternity health care. There is a case in Sudan that Amnesty is very concerned about, which is the case of Nuria. Nuria was underage, um, uh, under the age of majority, uh, under the age of 18, when she was married off to a relative. Um, the relative then uh, proceeded with other uh, relatives to rape her um, in order to break her spirit. She then took action and in self-defense killed her husband. The court then has applied a, a murder charge. Mm -hmm. So she's actually facing a death penalty, death penalty in Sudan. And I think cases like this um, really show the dangers that the girls have of being married off before they are um, women. So child marriages is still a very important issue that we need to work on. The second area, the third area now I think that we have to think a little bit more about is the area of um, you know, uh, the protection of women, not just in um, moments of, of um, safety, I guess what you say, moments of conflict, but also moments of non-conflict. So we've seen the Bring uh, Girls Back campaign in, in, in Northern Nigeria. Nigeria. Um, but we also need to be present that our schools, our homes, our um, workspaces are still not safe spaces for women. Um, and I think this brings me to the second point, which is that all these things, which are, I guess, what you'd call challenges, continued challenges, that do not translate into safety and dignity for women, um, are also uh, being challenged. Yeah. So I'm very present to, um, you know, a number of campaigns across the continent and even globally that uh, relate to how do we keep, you know, girls and women safe um, in all the spaces there are. The Me Too campaign, um, which then led to the campaign around Time's Up, um, or the Time is Up yeah. campaign. You know, for me, it's probably the most interesting development in the last 20 years of uh, the women's movement. It's global, it's going to all the sectors, the non-profit sector and Oxfam are not have not been exempt from mm -hmm. this. It's gone into the entertainment, entertainment world. So I think, you know, what we're starting to see is a growing recognition that actually intimidation, stigma and sexual harassment is unacceptable. Yeah. Whatever spaces they come in. And time's up. <laughs> and time is up, yeah. completely. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing I think is we're starting to see some very edgy campaigns around the right to um, reproductive health, yeah. safe abortion, and also sexual uh, education in schools. Right? Now if I think back to 2013, 2003, um, this was you know, an anathema in many ways. Um, but now what you're seeing is in, in several countries, uh, this is now being very um, strongly debated and actually legislated and litigated through our courts. Yeah. And I'd like a us, development. Yeah, and I'd like us to, to, to come back to, to that, especially once the protocol started getting its legs right. um, and began to make progress in terms of the number of countries ratifying it. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, that period before it came into force and, and after it came into force. Um, but, but we'll take a little break and we'll be right back. Thank you.